Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Tonight appears Morgan sense that Donald Trump ducks under the debate as the seven top rivals to replace him make their pitch to be leader of the free world. But can any of them actually top Trump? Scientists begin using AI to search for extraterrestrial life as experts here on Earth warn it could be the end of humanity as we know it. I'll ask one of the world's biggest brains if we should be excited or terrified. Plus, inevitably, Cinderella is being recast as a man. Cinderella. Uh, will probably be rescued by a princess in a diverse and equitable new production of the classic, or just a load of old virtue-signaling flannel. We'll debate whether this is the dumbest thing to have happened this week in woke world, or maybe just in the last few hours. Live from the news building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. We start with news of a secret operation inside the White House, which will strike fear into the hearts of America's allies and delight its enemies. And yes, I have got that the right way around. It's called Operation Don't Let Joe Biden Fall. And it's billed as a critical project too. quite literally prop up the president. Biden's blunders and stumbles have become a crisis for his re-election campaign, with a whopping 75% of Americans now saying he's too old to lead the country. The Biden administration publicly insists the 80-year-old leader is fighting fit and they've got the receipts to prove it. Well, sort of. He remains, of course, a keen cyclist. He has excellent spatial awareness. 2, 10, 12, 15. Hope stepping on him. It's black, anyway. And he has a great sense of direction, of course. Where is he? One thing they can't deny is that Biden has a problem staying on his feet. And that's the focus of the special programme they've now put together. This is why they're doing it. No matter what their cost, 2, 10, 12, 15... Oops, stepping on a... It's black, anyway. 
Well, Axios reports that top Democrats are terrified Biden will suffer a bad fall in the run-up to November's election. Their new two-pronged strategy is to both reduce the number of times Biden falls over by literally training him not to fall over and reduce the opportunities he has to fall over. He'll now board and exit Air Force One through the lower deck, where he'll encounter fewer steps. Instead of boarding the plane like a president, he'll board it a bit like a suitcase. Initial evidence suggests that this may still be a challenge. The report says that Biden will now wear tennis shoes wherever possible instead of adult shoes, so he has better grip. He's also working daily with a physical therapist and his doctors recommended he improves his balance by conducting proprioceptive maintenance manoeuvres. What those manoeuvres entail is unclear, but what is crystal clear is that they're all designed to desperately reanimate a president who just doesn't seem fit for the job physically or mentally. Last night, seven of the eight leading Republican presidential candidates faced off in the second Fox debate. Once again, the elephant not in the room was Donald Trump, who's light years ahead in the polls. My question is simply this. Surely America and the world can do better than a 77-year-old who's facing jail and an 80-year-old whose campaign strategy is don't fall over. Well, joining me now to discuss all this is a Republican strategist and former chair of the anti-Trump Republicans, Liz Mayer, the conservative talk radio host, Sensation, Ben Ferguson, I think he wrote that, and the CEO of Outkick, Clay Travis. Well, welcome to all of you. A stellar panel to debate all things Trump, who is, of course, the elephant in the room. So, Liz, let me start with you. Trump uh, is basically now calling for all Republican debates to be cancelled. Without him, there's no point. The Republican Party should save their money, invest it all in going after Biden. Meanwhile, the president is having a whole plan to try and keep him on his feet. Um, I've got to say, from this end of the pond, this all looks a bit ridiculous. Uh, you've got a guy facing 100 criminal charges and you've got a bloke in the office who can't barely see or walk straight. What is happening? It's pathetic. Um, I'm, I would just like to say at this moment that I'm British as well as American and I am leaning really hard into being a conservative, which given how bad our polling is, <laughs> should really tell you something. Um, yeah, no, it's pathetic. We have a nation of, what, 350 million people and this is the best we can do. Um, I'm just lucky I live in a state that nobody's going to be contesting, so I can write in whoever I want and feel good about my vote. But generally, yeah, it's a complete disaster. It's a complete disaster. Ben Ferguson, it's a complete disaster. Yeah, I, I wish you'd stop showing those videos of Joe Biden because you're about to get rid of the candidate that I desperately want to run any Republican against. So if you'll stop doing that, and let's just say he's brilliant, let's say he's competent, Let's say he is a vigorous young man, just like Ronald Reagan. That would make my life a lot easier. But the reality is Democrats right now put themselves in a corner. If you look at Joe Biden, honestly, right, the way that you just did, mm. you're, you've got to be sitting there going, what the hell are we doing? But they're stuck with him. And then you look at Kamala Harris. You say, OK, well, maybe Kamala will calm down people because they'll say, hey, if someone has to take over, at least they'll like the VP. The problem is... Her approval rating is even worse than Joe Biden's right now, which is at Jimmy Carter levels. So it's a disaster for them. As for the Republicans, look, I think any Republican, Donald Trump, DeSantis, or if somebody else comes along, I don't think it's going to happen based on what I saw at the debates last night. But if someone else came along, they all want to run against Joe Biden because there's no way he can campaign vigorously. And I don't think COVID's going to save him from doing more debates in the future. I think this guy's a train wreck and they know it. 
But talking of train wrecks, Donald Trump, who is the runaway favourite now to win the Republican nomination and wants all the debates scrapped and so on, he is facing nearly 100 criminal charges. We are into completely unprecedented territory here where you could end up with the Republican nominee being convicted of some of these charges before an election, potentially even sent to a prison cell, which I suspect would increase his poll numbers, like everything else has been done legally to him. But how can that be right for America to have a president sitting in cell block H? People aren't worried about it. I mean, that's the reality. They're not worried. The Republican no, Party he may has not made be, it clear. They're be, not worried. As an American no, vote. I'm not either, because I think that these charges, and if you look at them, they're pretty ridiculous and egregious. You made up charges in Georgia when the statute of limitations had already run out, for goodness sakes. And when you fight these, I don't worry about it. And I think the uh, the American people showing that they still support him in the Republican primary, he's got a 40-point lead. Combine everyone else's poll numbers. They don't even add up to even anywhere close to where Donald Trump is polling by himself right now. So that's how little Republicans care about this. They know it's a witch hunt. They know it's going after your political opponent in the way they do in the Banana Republic. And the poll numbers show that the majority of Americans, the Republicans, are smart enough to understand this is political crap. It's Banana Republic crap. It's what they do in Russia and China. And they're not worried about it. That's why he's still polling where he is. All right, Clay Travis, you like DeSantis. I'm interviewed Ron DeSantis. He's an impressive character. He gets stuff done is his big mantra. He's done a very good job as governor of Florida, no doubt about it. It seems to me DeSantis, it was, I thought he was the best on the debate stage last night, actually, for what it's worth. Yeah. Now, let's take a little look at uh, DeSantis in action last night, actually. I think we have it. Uh, the former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. You know, the problem, Clay, is he's right. Trump should be there. And I know Chris Christie called him Donald Duck, and that's fine. We all have a good laugh. But if you're Donald Trump, you think, why, why do I have to bother? I'm so far ahead of all of these people. Why do I have to bother turning up to any debate? I've got this in the bag. He's right, isn't he? Well, yeah, he's right right now so far, and that's why the biggest question coming out of this debate, uh, and thanks for having me on, Piers, by the way, is everybody else needs to drop out of the race, but potentially Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to fight it out, figure out who is the unquestioned number two, and then they need to have a head-to-head -head with, uh, with Donald Trump. And remember... As crazy as the Democrat process was in 2020, what did they do? Joe Biden got smoked in Iowa. He got crushed in New Hampshire. He left before the vote was even taken in New Hampshire. I think he finished fifth and sixth. And then what happened? James Clyburn, congressman from South Carolina, said all that matters is beating Donald Trump. Joe Biden is the choice. He's our guy. And it was over. The Democrats said... We're going to pick the guy that we believe is the most electable. It's old, boring, plotting, dementia Joe. They may have gotten lucky with COVID happening, honestly, because that allowed them to keep Joe Biden in the basement and not get out and everybody could see how physically frail and mentally diminished he was. But they made the decision, he's the guy that's most likely to win. Think about this, Pierce. Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley running against Joe Biden would be a unmitigated disaster for Democrats. And I think what's changed here is a lot of Republicans are so convinced that Joe Biden is going to lose 
that they aren't even focused on the electability angle as much as they can well, be. I think the problem, but remember, look, I think, Trump has half of the electorate right now. The other half is for somebody else. Right. Here's the problem, I think, for your guy, uh, DeSantis, is I think it's a charisma issue. issue. That most people think he's competent, you know, he's done a good job, blah, blah, blah. He just doesn't have anywhere near Trump's charisma. Funny enough, the one with all the charisma on the stage last night is Vivek Ramaswamy. If you could inject that charisma into DeSantis with his experience as governor and success, <laughs> you probably have a very, very, very compelling candidate. Let's take a look at Vivek. Transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental health disorder. We have to acknowledge the truth of that for what it is. Campaign. Play on parental rights in school. Parents have the right to know. The very people who say that this increases the risk of suicide are also the ones saying that parents don't have the right to know about that increased risk of suicide. And I'm sorry, it is not compassionate to affirm a kid's confusion. That is not compassion, that is cruelty. So I will ban genital mutilation or so I also want to play now the, the Christie gag about Donald Duck. It was funny. Let's take a look at this. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching. Okay? And you're not here tonight. Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. Now, you see, he's quite funny, Christy, and he's a bit of an old bruiser. I like him. I've known him a long time. And that was a funny gag. If you combine his humour and kind of pugnacious style with Vivek's energy and dynamism and charisma, uh, with the competence of DeSantis, you've got a very, very strong candidate. The problem is none of them have the other two components. And Trump, in his own way, love him, hate him, think he's the worst thing ever, all the greatest things to slice bread, he has it all. And that's why, at the moment, he's steaming ahead. Yes. I would... Can I just jump here and make a couple of that's points? Um, first right. of all... Yeah, Liz, I, I think on. it's worth noting, when you take a look at a lot of these post-debate polls, though, what you say about Vivek sounds like it's right, but when you look at how voters are actually responding, he's actually coming off very, very negatively to quite a lot of Republican primary voters. So I'm not sure yeah. that you're quite right about his charisma. I agree with you that Ron DeSantis does need some sort of charisma injection, for sure. Um, I'm not sure that him necessarily borrowing from Chris Christie is the best move, though. <laughs> I actually thought the Donald Duck line fell a little bit flat. I thought it was a little obvious. I didn't find it particularly humorous. Um, I also do think that DeSantis and Christie need to quit saying that Trump needs to show up at these debates because one of the really interesting things, and we saw this in 2016 also, when Trump skips debates, other people move up and his floor the absolute minimum that he's going to get actually goes down. That mm -hmm. happened after the last debate. I bet it's going to happen after this okay, debate. Let me, all right, let, let me bring in Ben on that. That does matter. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you. Ben, here's the issue that seems to me. Trump could well run away with this Republican nomination. It looks like he might. But if yeah. he does, a lot of independents have a problem with Trump. And you've got to win with the independents to become president. And it may be that no if Biden insists on running, that the only way the Democrats win that next election is if Trump is the opponent. Because the anti-Trump vote comes out, as you know, and the independents don't like him and they won't like all the legal stuff, that actually Trump may steamroll everyone to get the nomination for the Republican Party and then actually lose again.
Yeah, look, I, I think that there's two things here with Trump. It depends on if he can be a disciplined politician in a general election. And you'll probably laugh at the idea of him being disciplined. But look, he's been pretty smart recently. And I think he's starting to understand that he's got to be smart about how he talks for the same reason that you just said. Mm. If he talks about the here and now, and he doesn't take those loaded questions about the past and relitigating the past, and he talks about gas prices and interest rates and the economy and securing the border and building the wall, he will destroy Joe Biden. If he is undisciplined and he goes back and tries to litigate the past and say, I won the last election, he gets bogged down in that, you're right. There's a chance that Joe Biden could win. But Joe Biden will not win because he has the best set of plans for this country or ideas. He is a disaster, a stumbling, no, no, but he would win. He would win. down disaster. He would win because he's not Donald Trump. I want to end by getting all of oh, you... Oh, he'll also win. Well, hey, hang on, I've, run out, I've run out of time. Here's what I want to ask all of you, and I need straight answers. I want to have the two names for the two people that will face off in this presidential race next year. I want to have a name of a winner as well. So, Liz, you go first. Hmm. That's tough to say. It's really tough to say. Right now, the polling does suggest it's going to be Biden and Trump, but I have this sneaking suspicion that somehow it could end up being somebody like Brian Kemp versus Gavin Newsom or J.B. Pritzker, because I think both of these guys are so old and decrepit. All right. And well, you can't name. You can't name. They a might load of die. Names. They I might need, die. I need two names and a winner. Go on. Please. Okay, well, let's go with Newsom and Kemp. And I think in that uh, contest, I think Kemp dusts Newsom, and I'm a happy camper. Okay. Ben? I'm just going to go back to reality. I'll bet you seats at Wimbledon, because it's on my bucket list, Piers. It's going to be Trump and Biden, and no one else matters. And who wins? I think Donald Trump. I think Joe okay. Biden and what you showed earlier is going to be what you're going to see for the next year and a half. There's Remember, no, this no doubt about that. And by the way, there will be far more added to the greatest hits, too. Clay, Yeah. two names and a winner. All right, I'll give you a fun one. I'll give you a fun one, Piers. I think it's going to be Donald Trump. I think the Democrats are going to end up drafting Michelle Obama. Wow. And I think it's going to be Trump versus Michelle Obama. Wow. And Michelle Obama finds her way into the White House. She would be uh, she would be fan, she would Democrats. be amazing, but I Bear don't shoot her I, into the Democratic debates. Get ready. She'll come in at the convention. I I, I actually Clay and I agree on this. She would be great. I, I think it's I think she would be great. I actually think she was... I, I think it. Biden is going to get so much worse physically that yeah. it's going to be impossible and no, they'll I agree. have a Listen, broker I think Michelle convention Obama and they'll would have be, to find somebody new. Michelle Obama would be formidable. I think a really good candidate. I just don't think she'll ever do it. But we've got to leave it there. We'll find out. Thank you to my pack. I appreciate it. Unsense the next is either going to save the world or destroy humanity, depending on who you are. So I've asked one of the people with the biggest brains in this game in the world, Yuval Noah Harari, the man they call the AI philosopher. We'll be here next with hopefully some answers. Welcome back to Piers Organized Sense. It's been called an alien threat. Elon Musk has warned of a Terminator future. Artificial intelligence has been described in the most apocalyptic terms. But at the same time, he's making incredible breakthroughs in finding genes that cause disease and transforming IVF, for example. So are we right to fear AI? Or should we celebrate it? And can humans even control it when it's developing so rapidly? Philosopher and author Yuval Noah Harari gave me his uncensored take.
You've got great to see you here, here in the Piers Morgan Uncensored studio. Last time I interviewed you, you were uh, with us remotely and we were cut off in our prime in what we thought may be an AI attack. Hmm. <laughs> but this time, I can assure you, we won't get cut off. Let's start with AI. Okay. Uh, because you, you're all over this. You, in Fortune magazine this week, described AI as an alien threat that could wipe us out. Instead of coming from outer space, it's coming from California. Hmm. Quite chilling words. Do you think that there's a real danger that if we mishandle artificial intelligence, it could literally wipe us out? Yes, and it's all, not only me. Uh, many of the experts in the field, including the people who developed this technology, share some of the same fears. Um, you know, what everybody needs to know about AI basically is just two things. It's the first tool in human history that can make decisions by itself, and it's the first tool in human history that can create ideas by itself. You know, atom bombs, in the end, they empowered us because they couldn't make decisions how to use them. A human needed to make the decision. But AI can decide who to bomb and can create completely new ideas in everything from finance to religion. So, that's, so it's very interesting because Professor Stephen Hawking, in his last television interview, was with me, as it turned out. Mm -hmm. And I asked him what was the biggest threat to mankind. And he said, when artificial intelligence learns to self-design. Yeah. Now, is what you're describing self-design or is that... An, another stage That's forward. another stage, but it, it, it... What's the difference between what you're describing and self-design? It's basically the same thing. Once it can create new ideas, it can also create new ideas about itself, about its own design. But we are talking about a power that escapes our control. You know, it's one of the deepest fears of humanity for mm. thousands of years, and now it's, it's actually happening. So it could be like a... a version of COVID-19 in the sense of it gets out, hmm. it gets out of our control. It turned out COVID wasn't as deadly as the plague, for example, mm -hmm. but this could be far more deadly, but it could, it could permeate our life at the same speed. Yeah, the easiest scenario to imagine is like somebody giving the AI the task of, say, creating this super powerful virus, mm -hmm. and the AI just goes along and, and does it. But and the, could make it more deadly than a human being could. Absolutely. Can, again, combine, I don't know, Ebola with COVID and, mm. and create something that we are hardly able to, to even imagine. I mean, it reminds me a little bit. I remember when the first chess computers came out and they were gigantic, like the deep blue. And Garry Kasparov, the Russian grandmaster, beat, beat these computers to start with. But very quickly, they developed at such a rate that now it's impossible for any human being to beat a computer at chess. Absolutely. I mean, in a narrow field like chess, I mean, it's, it's long gone. They are better than us. But are, you, but are you suggesting that, in a way, what happened there could be replicated very quickly? Yes. And, in, and it could lead to our extinction, if we're not careful. In broader fields, yes. It can happen in, again, fields like, like finance, fields like the job market mm. is under a, a more and more jobs are going to be changed or even replaced? So let me ask you on jobs. I've got a question for you, which yes. I was thinking about when I knew you were coming in. I'm thinking about this logically. If we end up with a load of factories around the world manned by robots, by AI, mm -hmm. then all those people, millions of people who currently work in factories, they're going to be out of work yeah. and they have no income. Mm -hmm. So they can't buy any products that the robots are making in the factories. Mm -hmm. So that economic model collapses, doesn't it? Or yes. am I being an idiot? No, I mean, this is one of the dangers. Now, 
it's not likely that there'll be a complete disappearance of jobs. As old jobs disappear, mm. new jobs will emerge. If I'm like an accountant or a lawyer or somebody like that, where a lot of your work is based in the accountancy case on number crunching. Mm -hmm. In uh, If you're a lawyer, a lot of it is case studies, you know, with existing case studies and developing law and so on. I can quite easily see how AI will very, very quickly make a lot of those jobs redundant because they can yeah. do it all at the push of a button. Any job which is basically data coming in, mm. being analysed and data coming out, this is the easiest job to, uh, to automate mm. by AI, definitely. What about people like me, broadcasters? I mean... How quickly are we going to get to a place where you could have someone, a robot that looks and sounds like me, that has studied through AI everything I've ever said on air and, and I've seen a TED Talk deep fake of me yeah. saying the complete opposite of what I think. It was, it was <laughs> terrifying and it can't be long before someone could be doing this with AI, me. Yes, it, it, this we are already there. This is why you have this strike in, in Hollywood, mm. because they understand these kinds of things, these are no longer science fiction. Because yeah, I heard, OK, let's talk about that. That's really interesting, the Hollywood strikes, because AI is at the centre of it, and what their fear is, if I understand it correctly, is that you could be a movie star and you, you sign a five-movie deal with some, mm. uh, for some franchise thing, and the first two come out, and then you want to get out of your deal, and they say, fine, but we've got enough now where we can just use AI to make the last three without you. Yes. I mean, you and have... is that a realistic thing? Absolutely. If you have enough data on someone, enough footage of how they look, how they move around, mm -hmm. their voice, their, their, uh, how they sound, um, you can create deepfakes of that person. AI can now compose songs mm -hmm. like a band, like I think it was Oasis, right? It actually did a song, AI, that was based on Oasis's music catalogue and it sounded like an Oasis song. Yeah, and again, human society is basically based on trust between human beings. Mm. Uh, we are facing the possibility of millions, even billions, of fake humans mm. overrunning our society, leading to the collapse of trust between people. How do we stop this happening? What is the uh, sense ban, ban fake humans, ban counterfeit humans. Let me try and have some positive to what you're saying. Yes. Which is, it's an awesome power, AI. Mm -hmm. In things like medicine, for example, we have so many cancers which have never been solved by a human brain. Is it likely in the near to middling future that AI, with these superpowers, will be able to perhaps find a cure for all cancers, for example? Yes, or at least for some of them. And this is the big promise. If there wasn't a positive potential, mm. there would have been no danger because nobody would have wanted to develop right. this thing. Elon Musk and the others who signed the, uh, the thousand names who signed this thing asking for a six-month pause, it sounds like they were right. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think, again, it's not necessarily opposed to the development of AI. Mm. It's opposed to the deployment into the public sphere. Uh, I could talk to you for hours. You're such a smart guy. Uh, thank you for coming in. Although thank you for have inviting me, you've painted a slightly apocalyptic picture. I have to say, Yuval. So I hope that the world listens. So and I, we do I, I'll about just it. say again: this, this is a warning, not a prophecy. No, I understand. We still have the agency to. Uh, it's in our uh, hands stop. at the moment. Yeah, it's completely in our hands. But it is in our hands, and the problem with that is, I'm not sure I completely trust our ability to to do what we should be doing. Hmm. Uh, but we'll find out. Hopefully, not the hard way. Yuval, thank yeah. you very much. Great to see thank you. Thank you. Well, that was just a taste of a really fascinating interview with a highly intelligent guy who really gets 
all the issues about AI. Yuval Noah Harari, uh, that whole interview, unedited, uh, there's a lot more of it, will be on our Uncensored YouTube channel uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, we've now got over 1.5 million subscribers, so thank you for those who subscribed. And if you haven't yet, what's keeping you? So much great content there for you to salivate over, and including that full extended interview, which is honestly fascinating and quite alarming, but I, I feel comfortable that people like him are looking into this properly because we need that kind of smarts to do it. On sense of next, the Scottish Ballet plans to introduce a twist on the classic Cinderella story. Yeah, you guessed it. She'll be played by a bloke who's rescued by a woman. Of course, of course. I'll debate Cinderella going to the balls or whatever it is with the pack next. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. I'm joined by my super pack. First time these three have been together. Talk TV's international editor, Isabel Oakshot. Talk TV contributor, Paula Ron Adrian. And the comedian, his words not mine, James Barr. <laughs> Welcome to all of you. Wow, you're so Good gracious, Piers. Just a little gag, James. Just to get you in the right spirit. Um, I want to pay a little tribute before we get to the pack to one of Britain's greatest ever actors. And I, I use that phrase very deliberately. So Michael Gambon has died aged 82. Um, so many things you could say about him. He just had an amazing career, amazing range. He was one of the true greats that our theatre has ever produced. And of course, did many great movies and so on. I once interviewed him at the National Theatre, um, where he played many a great role. And I asked him what he thought of the increasing malaise of sort of talentless, Z-list celebrity wannabes trying to be stars. And he went, you know, all I've ever wanted to do was act. I remember sitting in this very dressing room from my first hit here, and people outside applauding when they saw me at the window. And that was so exciting. It's what I wanted, recognition of my work. But what all these modern celebrities want is a quick buck with no talent or hard work required. It's awful. So I said to him, what would you call this type of person? And Sir Michael looked at me and smirked and said, I would call them a cretin. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Sir Michael. You were brilliant on stage and you were brilliant off it to interview. Um, a great actor. I want to talk about uh, another theatrical story. Mm. Cinderella, the Scottish ballet, is doing what everyone does now. They're taking a very popular classic fairy tale, which obviously is about a woman, identifying as a woman. Um, and they're going to switch it around. So apparently audiences won't know, apparently, from night to night. It'll be very exciting, whether it'll be Cinderella or Cinderella. Uh, to which my point is, is, why can't they just leave this stuff alone? Why do the woke brigade have to come for everything? Why do they have to ruin everything? Why do they have to de-gender, change gender, abuse gender? Why can't they just leave us alone, these people? Why can't Cinderella be Cinderella? 
Do you know something really weird? This was actually first done in the 60s. Yes. There was a thing called Cinderella. Yes. A film. I think it was Jerry a Lewis. film. Yes. Yeah. So it was fantastic. A this is not... It's a joke. Not, well, it was satire, wasn't it? But it's not... Yes. So this isn't even original. Look, I'm going to actually surprise you and say... I actually think this Oh, quite God, fun. no, you've gone. <laughs> I think it's quite fun. We've Look, lost you. I wouldn't take my kids to it. You're supposed to be on this pack as a voice really of common sense. What's the matter with you? Come on, it's quite entertaining. Huh? I mean, no, I, I quite like that element of jeopardy. Is it going to be Cinderella but or Cinderella? Hang on a minute, Isabel. You wouldn't take your children to it. I'm Come on, of I'm, course you would. I'm joking. Yeah. It's an absolute pile of old it. rubbish. <laughs> it's just attention seeking. James, all right, James, I know what you're going to say. Why? Why are you bothered? Actually, it's a really important thing because it's flipping the narrative and making the guy What's the, the narrative? No, it is because it's turning the guy into the victim who needs saving. Oh, yeah. And ultimately, okay, we all awesome. need saving, no, particularly you, no, you right now on this I panel. Don't need saving. Well, why don't you love Everyone this? It's an upside me. down realm where everyone is. You could actually play one of the ugly sisters, finally, your dream oh, role. Wow. Oh, wow. you came to play, oh, didn't wow. you? Oh. But uh, on a serious Paula. note, we, we talk about masculine toxicity and here we have the classic example. Why aren't you supporting this? Why don't you want men to be vulnerable? Why don't you want oh other men God. to see men in that kind of role? Oh, I've changed I'm my mind. I'm just saying. I don't I'm mind men saying. being vulnerable, but you know what I love most in the world? I like a tradition. stiff upper British lip. A bit wow. of tradition. I like people who don't spend their entire time loving. Their entire time playing the victim. I don't want to. I'm absolutely done up to here with the victim culture that we now have to endure, where everyone's a victim. Weakness is celebrated. I think there's a difference strength between is being a, a Strength being is a problem. Right? Everyone has to emote 24-7. You, you come into ask, work... Did you not ask the question... I can't handle it. Why? He asked the question, why, why, why? That sounded like a victim to me. Do you know who's not... I'll tell you who's not a victim. Who, who I'll tell you who's not a victim. Mick Jagger, right? Who's 80 years old. Uh, still doing his thing. Amazing. Uh, really, physical freak to be still prancing around doing that. I mean, look at Joe Biden by comparison. I know. They're within about eight months of age, right? Um, Mick Jagger has announced he's not going to give his money to his eight kids. He's got apparently $500 million, right? I, I like that idea. If my kids are watching, I really like that idea. <laughs> because why would he give... Why would you give, Isabel, all that cash to young people before they've even try to make their own way in many of the cases of his kids. Some are still very young. Why, why remove all hunger? I, people I know who've done that too. I know people who've given their kids loads it's of money. It's a very bad idea. It kills the yeah. hunger. Yeah, I could... And without a hunger and yeah. desire to make that money yeah. for yourself, I think you end up with just a wasted life. I completely agree with you. I am going to assume that he's leaving them something. They probably already have assets, yeah. whether it's property or whatever. But absolutely, if you make life too easy for your children, if they don't actually mm. have to... Um, feel a bit of a struggle, then there's nothing to get up for. And they, you know, drift, was, uh, they drift around, they flop around. Yeah, I talked, yeah. I talked to Cristiano Ronaldo about this, right? And we had dinner one night after I interviewed him the first time. And he was saying that, you know, he, his son's very good at football, the older, the, his older son. And he said he's very, very good, but he, he can't give him the hunger that he had. Yeah. He was literally yeah. hungry. hungry. Yes. <laughs> he used to sit around the back of a McDonald's and two lo lovely ladies, he said, oh, which I could, we tried to find them, but we couldn't. Um, they used to give him the, the cast off. That's problematic. <laughs> yeah, we used to give the cast off Big Macs, right? Mm. right. And, he, and he said that was how hungry I was. So yeah. everything was driven by this intense desire to get out of that mm. cycle he was in of hunger. Mm. But when his son has now got a dad worth a billion dollars, probably right. You can't give. That doesn't mean to say he won't develop his own desire and hunger. 
it's so much harder to Definitely. instill it in someone, right? Mm. I would just say I'd like to pick up on what you said there because you were commending Mick Jagger for jumping around on stage at his age. Yes. But you wouldn't say that about Madonna. So mm. do you think no, it's some hypocrisy? No, because she, it's the way she dresses and the way she humiliates And herself. leading on from that, I'm not yeah. actually concerned whether Mick Jagger would give leave his children money. I, I mean, Jerry Hall... Mm. Bianca Jagger. I mean, these are strong women. Mm. Uh, you know, they are there supporting the children. So this isn't really about Mick Jagger leaving his well, children. Well, it's more about years. a principle. I do think I've seen people leave their kids too much money and they just, they just remove any incentive to How much be... money are you leaving your kids, Piers? Very little. Right. Actually, well, I say very little. I'd like to think I can help them in some way, right? Mm. I would like to remove from everybody, right? Never mind my kids, but anyone's kids, right? I'd like to remove the stress of having no money. I think the stress of not being able to feed yourself or feed your, your children or your family or whatever, that is one of the worst stresses in the world outside of bad health, right? And I think this is the, ultimately the problem with this article because Mick Jagger can sit back and laugh mm. about how he's not going to leave mm. his very comfortable children more money. Mm. They don't need it. It'd be uh, interesting to know what he is going to do with it. Yeah. I don't know whether he's revealed that. He said, yeah, he said he might give it to charity. So you might do some good in the world. Yeah, well, oh, that's, that's great. It's an LGBTQ plus charity. Oh, no, so not like enough. That. Hang on, what did you call it? Yeah. LGBT. Oh, hang on, what did you call it? Don't I even start. What happened to the two? Oh, goodness me. Where are the twos? Yeah, they're there. No, no, you didn't say to. Uh, leave me alone. No, no, no. I won't. You <laughs> don't come on this show Wait, to be left you have, alone. You have ungendered the twos. I the two spirits. The two spirits, the of two course. Spirits. No, they're very Where are they then? Why didn't you nice. say two, two plus? Two LGBTQIA. Wow. I'm really disappointed in you, James. Thank you. I really think, I mean, obviously by tomorrow there'll be another one, but at the moment <laughs> it is it is Q2 plus. Do you think it we is? No, I know so that, and I'm surprised you don't know that. I think we should cancel him. Well, honestly, hold on a second. I thought you'd caught the woke mind As a two spirit penguin myself, I've identified as a two... I'm actually personally taking that very badly. So you're saying you're half black and half white? Please? No, I'm a two-spirit penguin. Uh, well, I think yeah. we all are a bit. I had my, my DNA done. Right. You know, zero English okay. in me. Really? Zero. What's in Mainly you? Irish, a bit of Scottish. Uh, they chartered me back to Robert the Bruce. A um, little bit of Welsh. A uh, little bit of Middle Eastern. Quite a lot of right? misogyny. But absolutely... Sorry? And a lot of misogyny. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> uh, but zero English. Mm. Very wow. interesting. Yeah. And yet I was born How in England. Scottish wow. would feel about that. So I'm, I'm thinking that we're on a work, work due to mm. Scotland to watch the ballet, right? No, we're not. Right. Uh, we're going to talk instead about... <laughs> is, is calling somebody woke <laughs> as bad as a Rachel slur? Actress Cathy Tyson said in an interview with The Telegraph, for me, it's as bad a term as an offensive racial slur. The term oh. woke and race guard are deeply offensive to me, she quoted. So the latter is thrown in your face if you make criticism of anything. So here's the thing, James. I don't think it is because I read a whole book about this. I identify as woke by the original definition, which came from the American music business in the 60s. And it was about raising awareness of social and racial injustice. I absolutely, by that criteria, I'm a woke person, right? What's happened is woke has become hijacked by a lot of social media mobs in particular, and they use it as a form of fascism now to basically try and make everybody conform to their way of thinking. That's my problem with it. See, I find that interesting because I actually think it's that, but also the opposite of that, in that people use it as a slur to say, to undermine your... I think it's become a slur by definition because the people in that woke world who identify themselves as Well, I'm not quite sure why you're blaming woke people for that. Because a lot of them, I think, are actually worthy of condemnation 
for propagating the nonsensical views they have and then expecting all of us to agree with but it. But you have actually used the word woke about me as a slur. You've called me a wokey yes, or whatever. Yes, I've you a wokey. Right, exactly. So, in a way, you're... That's because you propagate woke uh, thought processes, which are ridiculous. But well, so you think it's ridiculous to, like, stand for race, stand against racism? Well, no, but if I asked you, for example, should biological males be allowed to compete in women's sports? What, what would you say? This is a, a crazy question say? that I'm not here to talk what about. What would you say? Because it's not something you can't answer, can you? On. I'm not an expert on it. I know, no, no, no. So I know, you also probably don't have You don't want right to say, answer. because you know what you would have to say to fit the criteria of being a wokey, you would have to say you agree with it, and in that moment, everyone watching at home goes, well, you're a complete lunacy then. You're a woke. You're a wokey by the common definition today. But she, she's a complete classic of the genre, isn't she? Because she's going on about how deeply offended she is, and that is the whole thing about yeah. wokery. It's continually about people being offended, offended by everything, causing offence, and then and everyone, you, everyone. And I mean, so should Suella Braverman have been deeply offended by Gary Lineker's tweet? I don't think she should have been. I, but she told us that she was. She told us how outraged I, I she was and how really offended she was and insulted. Paul, I don't think even you and think he that. He was suspended for I that. I don't think even you, as a black woman, can feel comfortable that calling someone woke is as bad as a racial slur. Come on. Uh, it, what the point is, and it's a point that I, I agree with with James and pick up on. It's used now as a pejorative, isn't it? It's used to when insult. It's it's used when it's deserved. When it's deserved. deserved. Yeah. I don't think it is when it's deserved. I think it's just thrown out there for anybody who happens to say, "Hang on a minute, is this fair?" No, I would say ninety-nine percent of people that I call woke in a in a derogatory manner deserve, deserve it deserve because it. they're being ridiculous. So it is a slur. You agree? Well, well, it, uh, I'm well, just going to say, but that's the really point. I don't think it even comes close to being a slur as like a but racial you're using slur. Using it as a slur. Well, I'm not. I'm saying that your view. The woke world's view of life, I find ridiculous, right? Utterly ridiculous. Therefore, I'm using it as a term of mockery. Abusing someone about their skin colour is a completely different, and in my view, far more serious thing. So why are you using the word woke? Why don't you stop using the woke word woke you know as why? a pejorative you know and, and say that what you are saying you know is ridiculous why, or what because, you're saying is nonsense? Because it really annoys the wokies yeah. when I call them wokies. I don't wokies. think we're annoyed, are we, Paula? Oh, I yes. I'm pretty proud. I am oh, yes. I'm not annoyed at all. I feel wokies. really proud of being called woke because, because it means I'm trying to make the world a better place. And no, you're not, not only that, like but you. you know what woke happens Woke people is... make the world a worse place. They make it a joyless, humorless... Offended, fascist state sad. where everybody has to look the same, sound the Miserable. same, say the right that things, can't crack any uh, jokes. That's disgusting. Blah, blah, blah. blah. It is disgusting. I agree. Oh, we finally go. agree, How James. How could you possibly think that we all want each other to look the same when we're all about inclusivity for Do you know, I've just realised, looking at you sitting in that chair, you're the new Richard Tice. Thank you. Although I couldn't think of anybody <laughs> that sounds like a slur. less like Richard <laughs> Tice really in the entire world. That definitely felt like a slur, to be honest with you. Actually, I'm putting my Ofcom complaint in tonight. Compliment. Yes. It's a compliment, and in about a minute, when you go off air, you're going to realise why Isabel may not see that as a slur. <laughs> are you aware that... No. Oh, right. Oh, tell oh. me, what, what have I missed? Oh, they're an item. Oh, really? Yeah, so you've oh, just so abused sorry, Isabel. Isabel's that, Oh, that's goodness me. all right. right? Which is fine, but, you know, you might feel a little uncomfortable now. <laughs> right, no, well... No, which is no, great, because no. I made it... I made see, it I didn't end. get offended. I made neither, it end. Neither were team. I made it end with a, a moment of excruciating, mortifying embarrassment for James Barr, and that's always a good way to finish a pack. Great to see you. Come back. Soon, James. Thank you. Uh, uncensored, this is going to be great. Uncensored, could the space aliens presented in Mexico's parliament recently be real? I know exactly the person to ask. The great William Shatner coming next.
Welcome back. Uh, a Mexican UFO enthusiast captured the world's imagination earlier this month by presenting what he claimed were the remains of two aliens to the Mexican parliament. Some cried hoax. Many simply wanted to believe. Who better to adjudicate than a man who's met more fake space aliens than we've had hot dinners? The great William Shatner, star of the Unexplained on History Channel and Netflix. Join us. Uh, well, great to see you again. How are you? Oh, Piers, it's great to see you. And what a subject matter, huh? <laughs> well, it's perfect timing with your new series of The Unexplained. Here we have what looked like alien mummies, effectively. What did you make of it? Well, what do you mean? See, that question itself. What do you mean it looks like aliens? The only reason it looks like an alien is some guy at, uh, at one of those science fiction movies drew what he thought was an alien, you know, could conceived of what he thought an alien would look like, and now we have an alien that looks like what this guy thought of in his imagination. Nobody's ever seen it, but it now looks mysteriously <laughs> like the thing we saw in that movie. Let <laughs> me ask him. It's wonderful. Do you, do you believe that there are aliens and we're just not being told about them? Do you think governments now, know? listen. Pierce, there are... In, in uncountable uh, galaxies mm. that contain uncountable stars which have planets circling it, there are... Un it is mathematically impossible for there not to be life on other planets. Yes. Just impossible. I agree. Life, for example, here on... Life, life here on Earth looks for the ability to live everywhere. Trees are fighting each other for the sunlight and the, and, and the animals and the flowers and the grass. And, and then you have humans. I let me live. Life is, is an imperative. It can't be that we're alone. You know, we and it we... can't also be that it cannot just be carbon-based. Yeah. So the chances of life being in other places is, to me, is uh, not even a chance. No. Now, we did a bit it's of research here. One of, my, one of my team did a bit of picture research to your associations as Captain Kirk with aliens. So you worked with some. I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, this, but Spock. Uh, you fought with some. I've got a picture of you fighting a big alien there. And you yeah, made, you terrible, made love to a lot wrong. of aliens in Star Trek. Like Marta, the green-skinned... so passionate. Like the green-skinned uh, Orion slave girl. Yeah. Except the paint kept coming off on my costume. <laughs> Would you, do, you, do, you think, do you think when you go off this mortal coil, and I don't think it's ever going to happen to you, I think you're actually eternal, but if you ever do, do you think you will encounter <laughs> other, other worlds? Other, I mean, do you dream that maybe one day you'll meet See, all these things? Now, now you're touching on that phrase, uh, 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 the, uh, the final frontier. Yeah. On my show, uh, I think I'm able to, to say the name... Uh, uh, because of the strike. Um, the final frontier was space, but actually the final frontier is death. We don't know what's... It's an unexplained mystery. We mm. don't know what's out there. So I would like to think that as you draw, as apparently the drug guy um, said on his last breath, mm. of course. Mm. That was his last uh, last phrase. Yeah. As he, as, he, as he took his last breath... He said, 
Of course, as though he realized, he, he saw the logic behind everything. Mm. I'd like to think that happens. And I'd... we know, without being able to communicate it, what everything means. Because everything, shy of a, a, a few uh, unassailable facts, like, uh, I don't know, the fact that you're still alive and, and doing your program, <laughs> um, everything is changeable. Everything changes. So... What is out there? Will it be the same? Can you? Will you know it? It's unexplained, and that's the name of the and, show. And William, I've got 20 seconds left. If you knew you had one day left on this earth, how would you spend it? 20 seconds. I would love to do an interview with Piers Morgan the last 20 <laughs> seconds. Can you imagine? Done. Agreed. I would Goodbye, love that Piers. too. I'll let you know. <laughs> William Shatner. The unexplained. I love having you on the show. You. The unexplained in every way is brilliant. Great to see you. Thank you very much. Whatever you're up to, keep it uncensored like William Shatner. One of my heroes. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.